0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. Today, we have one of my favorite podcasters, Evan Brand of the Evan Brand Podcast. He's an author, podcast host, and a Louisville, Kentucky-based board-certified holistic nutritionist who also is a certified functional medicine practitioner. I put him on my free thyroid guide on my website, lrust.com, because he does remote consultations and offers uh, some consultations to just see if he's even right for you. He is also a nutritional therapist, and a personal trainer he's just passionate about healing chronic fatigue gut issues autoimmunity he knows so much again uh, i you know of all the podcasters out there one of my favorites welcome back to the show evan brand
1: L, thank you so much i was looking on our skype thing i believe it's literally been a year already since we mm-hmm. talked last but uh, you're the type of person where when we get on the call it feels like we never stop talking so that's pretty cool
0: I know, and it's like, wow, that's gone by fast. I feel like I should have you on every six months at least. Um, Hey, I'm down. Today, for everyone, we're going to talk about a couple subjects. We're going to jump into autoimmunity and some various issues with autoimmunity and gut health. And then we're going to talk about nootropics and some of the warnings. And uh, Evan and I are going to speak about a couple bad experiences we had with that. And so we just will get into these right from the get go. Let's talk about. Gut health and autoimmunity—they are so related. We know for sure, and you and I have both talked about how grains and gluten can trigger Hashimoto's antibodies. We know people with rheumatoid arthritis have really seen improvement when they reduce and get, you know, the paleo AIP down or even strict paleo. And then, you know, they'll eat, you know, a, a bite of bread, and then they can't move their fingers the next morning. So then they're like, "Okay, I, I know what that is." I think, though, when people are going down this road, I know a lot of people suffering with autoimmune conditions. We have to start with mouth to anus. We have to start with us. We've got to get this gut in line. Please tell us why we need this message.
1: Yeah. Well, one, it's because there's still Krispy Kreme donuts and McDonald's that have a line wrapped around the building. You know, I think in our little health bubble, we may get a little over optimistic about how much we've changed in terms of societal's. uh I guess, influence, like how much have we influenced society and how much have we shifted the public mindset towards certain foods? And I think in certain aspects, we've done really good. I mean, I've seen quite a bit of organic and grass-fed products available at even just the conventional grocery stores now, which is pretty impressive. But I literally would have to drive probably almost an hour where I'm at right now in Kentucky to get to a place that would serve a grass-fed burger, and even then, you feel like uh, you've done something wrong if you don't show up in like a polo or a button up and khaki pants and a nice belt and shoes. It's like, okay, why does this have to be the context that I get grass fed beef in a restaurant? Why can't I just go into a local little diner and that's a pastured patty? So I know in certain places like LA, San Diego, New York City, I mean, I'm sure there's little bubbles out there that are way ahead of the game, but As as little as I travel, at least in my bubble here in Kentucky, I see that we've got a long way to go. And I don't know how long it's going to take, I I don't know if it's going to be five years, 10 years, 20 years. I mean, I hope that with the stuff that you and I are doing, that we can help speed this process up a little bit. But I've got so many people, even just in my family. I mean, people would think, oh, he's a health podcast guy. He must have the healthiest family ever. Yeah, right. Like I... I, I can't even get my my grandma who just recently got diagnosed with diabetes. She, you know what she does with my nutrition advice? I wrote her up this protocol and everything. She, she throws she just, it in the
0: garbage. <laughs> well,
1: well, luckily she didn't do that, but she puts it in her little pile of stuff on her on her end table by her by her couch and it's like under 50 magazines of like weight watchers and everything else. Here's Evan's little handmade handwritten diet protocol sheet and then she goes to the hospital and they charge $800 for a uh, a dietary nutrition course at the hospital it's 800 bucks and mm. guess what it is it's all food pyramid it's 6 to ter- 6 to 12 servings of grains pastas bread make sure it's whole wheat healthy That's right. whole wheat Gotta get and the four
0: servings of fruit in there, two to four servings of fruit on there too. So throw that on the fire. Yep. Yep.
1: Throw your orange juice into the picture, but yet <laughs> but yet she's got an A1C level of six point seven, which is way too high. Oh
0: shit, that's type two diabetes, really. Yeah, isn't it's it? diabetes.
1: <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's type two. And I told her, look, we can reverse this. I really just need you to pay attention to this protocol and follow this. And here's a couple of different nutrients we're gonna use for six to eight weeks, and we're gonna retest your blood. And she won't do it. And Now she's facing looking at something like metformin, which unless I'm incorrect, metformin or some of the other diabetes medication drugs, not only do they have side effects, but they could be a thousand bucks a month.
0: Yeah, that, that is, you know, also too, diabetes medication, I mean, insulin, all this kind of stuff is so expensive. So you can continue to go down that road just because you're like, well, but I don't want to stop eating this stuff. But here's the thing too, type 2 diabetics often will misgauge everything. So it's like, they feel like it's a license to like, oh, well, now that I can kind of do insulin whenever I want, uh, therefore then I can just counteract what I put in. And that's not the game because that game, (laughs) uh, never leads to health. You've never seen a type 2 diabetic going down that road. And again, you know, I think we've probably talked about this before, but when you're a human being, you want your pancreas and organs to work right because we're human beings and that system knows better than us on when and how much insulin we need. So you're going to always overshoot or undershoot, right? There's, yep. there's too much guesswork and problems there. Let's talk about family since you mentioned it. Listen, I mean, Evan Brand is telling you guys that he can't even get his grandmother to follow. I can't get certain people in my family to, to do things that are different. And I think this speaks to you've got to do yourself first. You can try with others. Then you've got to dial it back and not try to rope anyone into your program, right? This is an individual sport, even though you can try to, right, lead the horse to water, but then don't spend too much time there because you got to work on you.
1: Agreed. Well, and you'll make yourself sick. I mean, I stress myself out so much Uh, for a long period of time before I had to learn that lesson. I mean, my mother, I was trying to help her with blood pressure issues. My grandfather was getting on Synthroid. And as you and I discussed on my podcast when I had you on, Synthroid is garbage and the conversion issues cause it not to work for most people. And yeah, he still gains weight and he's exhausted, but he won't listen. Now, fortunately, though, he's starting to listen because he'll see something. Oh, Dr. Oz on TV said this (laughs) or that. And then he starts Mm -hmm. to perk up a little bit and go back to the literature I gave him. But yeah, back to your question originally about autoimmunity and gut issues, I mean, let's just talk about some of the mood issues too that come along with this. So we'll talk a little bit about Hashimoto's and we can talk about uh, rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis. That's autoimmune. Most people don't talk about skin issues in, in the context of gut health, but I had a guy maybe, I don't know, two, three weeks ago, his wife worked with me several years ago and then he had this psoriasis issue he'd been to five or six different dermatologists and of course all they do is give you a steroid cream and it magically makes the psoriasis go away while you're taking the cream and then you come off of the steroid and guess what happens the the skin issue comes back if not worse it comes back with a vengeance and so she said, honey, you really got to listen because most guys are reluctant to work with me and not because I'm a guy, but because guys don't want to fess up about their health problems. That's why my client base is probably 80% women, maybe 75% to 80% women and 25 to 30% men. The men that do come to me, they're really passionate about health. The, the, you know, And then a small percentage of those guys are like, okay, my wife forced me to do this. Tell me what to take so I can get this over with. <laughs> it's like, dude, you really gotta be in tune with your body. You're missing out on life if you're numb to your body. But anyway, long story short, you know, we gave the guy a six-week AIP protocol because I told him to take about a month to get lab testing run. And then on the six-week follow-up, we had labs to review. Of course, he turned out with a bunch of parasites and bacterial overgrowth and yeast problems and H. pylori and a bunch of other things which was affecting the gut, but just based on AIP, he was 80% better with his skin issue in six weeks. And I mean, and and guess what? It was free. Like maybe he spent a little extra on a couple of different foods that he wasn't normally buying, but he was eating good meats, good vegetables, a little bit of fruit, no grains, and that was it. And 80% better. And so no matter what issue you come up with, and this is something I learned uh, oh i guess over the last maybe three to five years i would get these cases that were so complex and i thought man am i really a qualified person you know i'm not a medical doctor and turns out people like that because they're yeah. sick of medical doctors but for a while i thought okay i'm not a medical doctor am i really able am i really going to be able to do something for this person and it turns out if you just stick with the foundations this is not like rocket science. If you stick with the foundations, you're getting people sleeping, you're getting them to address stress, you're getting them to have healthy relationships, you're getting them to cut negative people out of their lives, you're encouraging them to be with positive people, you're getting them to listen to music and dance and sing and do all the things that you would have done if you lived in a tribe, which is dancing and singing and hanging out with the sun and being barefoot and all the primal things we talk about. That's pretty basic, but yet that alone plus getting some deeper investigation done with testing, various types of testing, depending on what's going on, you can resolve some crazy issues that you would never think you could even touch.
0: uh, Oh, I, you know, just like you, I've seen people turn around in six, eight weeks. And by the way, for those listening, if you don't know what AIP stands for, that's autoimmune protocol. You can go to evanbrand.com and find out more information and look at his podcast on those topics, but also there are books on it and you can just Google paleo AIP food list and things like that to sort of start to get an idea because things are a little bit stricter and different for people with autoimmune disorders you know, let's talk about some of the symptoms. So it can manifest in psoriasis or Hashimoto's, right? Or, um, or, or really anything, but what are some of the symptoms like of the gut? Is there something in the bowels? It's, you know, always bloating and gas kind of accompanying these things. Like what are some things that, because if, if people out there have regular gas after eating or not, that's not normal. And I just, can you touch on that? (laughs) Can you please touch on that?
1: Right. I know. People think it's normal. Like they'll have like farting contests with people at the <laughs> dinner table. It's like, okay, something is not right. Okay. So just because everybody else in the family has to fart that much doesn't mean you should. Um, uh, it, it's weird because, you know, I struggled with gut issues and, and and mood issues. You know, I had depression for probably a decade, uh, totally throughout my teenage years, high school, college, et cetera. And 80% of it was resolved with fixing my gut and fixing my diet. And then of course I did some other tweaks along the way, but Yeah. Mood issues are huge. Gut issues are huge. Like you should not be farting like pretty much period. Now you'll see, you'll see these little random things on social media, like the average person farts 15 times a day. And you're like, Oh great. I'm normal. And it's like, okay, That's average. That doesn't mean that's what a human is supposed to be doing. If you're having excess gas for some reason, that likely means that something is fermenting and rotting and putrefying in your gut. Now, could it be candida overgrowth? Yes. Could it be bacterial overgrowth? Totally. Could it be that you have too many grains or you've got beans or you've got some other undigested food in there? Yes, absolutely. And so you have to fix those. Could it be hypoclohydria, which is a condition? that means you have low stomach acid that could be caused by stress or H. pylori or thyroid PPI even. use. Yeah. Thyroid, yeah, yeah, 1,000%. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yeah, thyroid hypothyroidism alone could cause that, low stomach that's acid. right. So that's like root cause stuff. And yes, gut, other gut symptoms, it could be constipation, it could be diarrhea, it could be alternating where maybe you have this once-a-week bowel issue, like on Fridays you— Poop five times before you go to work, and you're like, oh yeah, that's just my Friday. It's like, uh, no,
0: <laughs> right, right, yeah, that's just. You're like, no, that's not how Fridays are supposed to go.
1: <laughs> right, yeah. So if you're if you're if you're pooping more than basically three times a day, you're getting into that kind of irritable bowel territory, which was my diagnosis from the conventional gastroenterologist. And of course, the only uh, treatment for that, from a conventional standpoint, is anti spasmatic drugs to try to reduce the the firing, if you will, of your bowels, but it, it, it's it's not a bowel issue. It's not that your bowels are firing too much because they're firing too much and they need to be shut down, kind of like a kid with ADHD being put on Ritalin. It's not a Ritalin deficiency. It's something going on with the brain, typically neurotoxins that are causing the hyperactivity. Um, gut issues in kids are common, too. I've been seeing, I mean, it's, it's funny because, maybe not funny, it's kind of sad, I guess. I ha- have kind of branched out into doing like pediatric functional medicine and not by uh, desire necessarily, just kind of by necessity because all these parents have been to their pediatricians and they say that their kid is colicky. And then the, the, the pediatrician says, oh, they have reflux, and then they give the kid acid blockers.
0: This is so st- Again, patching it up, steroid cream, but da-da, patches, patches, you know? They're putting
1: one and two-year-olds on... Proton pump inhibitors, Zantac and some of these others. And that's scary because then you've got these kids that have growth and development problems because now they're not digesting any of their food. Now, luckily, if they're breastfed, breast milk is a relatively easy to digest thing. But then the kids start having skin issues like eczema and even psoriasis in children. And then the mom, you know, goes on, uh, goes to Whole Foods and finds some organic skin cream for babies and it's like okay that might help but you you still haven't got to the root issue which is there's probably something in the gut going on so mood issues i guess i will bring that one up too depression and anxiety are very very strongly linked to to gut issues and by the way They've done
0: studies on this right let's talk about that because there's been people yeah. taken like zipped right out of like you know nigeria or something with some you know native clean diet and then they come live in the states and they're like totally Suicidal after eating like you know, McDonald, like a, a American oh, yeah. diet. So I know there's a lot of examples. I think Pearl Mutter uses that one in Brain Maker. Uh, give us give us a way to look at this because it really is linked. Um, and I just want to say sure. that I interviewed a woman who is a celebrity fitness trainer. Holly Perkins, she was fit for years. You'd never know, but she's been on antidepressants on and off since she was like 11. And it was just a story of like, well, you're just like this. Your brain's messed up. You're depressed. Until she later as an adult, like literally only when she was like in her 40s, discovered she had a true issue via test with dairy and gluten. When she removed it, she within a year has been off all antidepressants, which she has spent more than 20 years of her life on. Okay. And, Gosh. and so is that quote a gut issue? Yes and no. It, she didn't necessarily know she had a gut issue. She, but she did th- because of two foods and, you know, just to think, right, you look back. So anyone out there listening, you know, there are so many answers.
1: Yeah. Um, well, my cousin, so we had my daughter's second birthday party this past weekend and my cousin, my younger cousin, he's maybe 20 23, 24 years old. He was just sniffling basically all day, and I mean, we've had amazing weather, and everything has already bloomed, so there shouldn't really be any significant environmental allergens present. And I asked him, I said, are you are you sick? Did you just get over a cold? Like, I noticed you've been sniffling the whole time. And his girlfriend chimed in. He goes, he's always like that. And I said, oh. I said, even in the winter? Yeah, I'm like, oh, okay. I said, well, why don't you cut out dairy out of your diet for 30 days? I bet your quote-unquote allergies will go away. And he's like, really? So we'll see. We'll see if he begins his 30-day experiment. But I guarantee if he got, especially gluten would be great too. But I'm going to start with dairy and see how he can do. Uh, But back to your original question, I want to make sure I address it. So what is the mechanism for depression and anxiety and other mood issues and the gut? Well, one specific type of bacteria, one specific family of bacteria called Clostridia. Many people have probably heard of Clostridia difficile, abbreviated C. diff, A lot of people pick this up in healthcare facilities like, uh, and I've had this happen. This is not to demonize gastroenterology. I'm just telling you what happens is people have heartburn and they go in and the gastro doc recommends they do an endoscopy, which is where they stick the tube down your throat to investigate your gut or your stomach lining. And they want to go look for ulcers. And typically there's no ulcers, but what they'll say is you have gastritis, which is the same thing as IBS in, in a sense that it's not a real diagnosis it's just something that's wrong but we don't know why so gastritis is just inflammation in the in the gut or in the stomach area could even go up into the bottom of the esophagus you've got a sphincter at the bottom of your esophagus called the les the lower esophageal sphincter and that thing can get stuck open or stuck closed based on food sensitivities infections stress and you could have that acid backwashing into the esophagus therefore causing quote-unquote gastritis or heartburn now in the process of getting this very routine procedure done in gastroenterology, the people who cleaned the scope didn't do a good job, and therefore, when they put that tube down you, they also put down clostridia difficile into your body, and now you leave the hospital or whatever facility with an antibiotic-resistant infection called C. diff, which kills—you could just Google C. diff deaths. Uh, I believe it's 20,000 or more per year. Uh, and. Yeah, let me just let me just. I want to be accurate, so let me just type this in as I'm uh, as I'm discussing this. But okay, yeah. So I was right. So so twenty nine thousand patients per year. Twenty nine thousand people are dying uh, of C diff per year. Eighty percent of those people are age sixty five or older, and basically it's it's deadly diarrhea is what it is. You just, you die. So
0: Okay. So what if someone's listening? They're like, damn, I just walked out of the office yesterday. Like, what do you do? Jam some oregano oil and some, I mean, like, how do you, uh, fight that?
1: Yeah. Good, good question. So let's just compare conventional and, and functional real quick. Conventional uh, it would be a bunch of antibiotics. If they, First of all, their testing that they're using is called antigen-based testing, or they're doing human microscopy, which is where a human looks at your poop. And what if that human was tired, or maybe he was scrolling on Instagram while he was looking under the microscope at the same time, and he missed it? So you could have a false negative, meaning you didn't show up with C. diff, but you've clearly got it because you're having diarrhea five or 10 times a day. And if they do find it, they'll give you antibiotics, but as you know, and even the Center for Disease Control admitted back in 2013, we're now in what's called the post-antibiotic era, which means we are basically out of options in terms of antibiotics working, and they no longer work. So, yeah, there are certain herbs that we can use to kill Clostridia, and in about six weeks, you could probably knock it out. I think oregano would be a really good first line of defense if you just wanted to throw one thing at it, but... I've got several different formulas I've created that are about 20 different natural antibiotics combined in one, and I do my own version of what I call triple therapy, but instead of three antibiotics at the same time, it's three natural uh, blends of antibiotics and antiparasitics, and you can, and you can get rid of it. Uh, but I got, I got a little off track, so I wanna tie this all in, because it's gonna make sense for people that are, that are following the story, but they're also going down these rabbit holes with it. So we, we talked about depression and anxiety, just another stat from the CDC, anxiety, believe it or not, L, last week, anxiety last week, according to the CDC, took over depression and is now the number one leading cause of disability. Anxiety is. Depression Depression is number two. It used to be number one until last week. Now it's number two. Anxiety is now number one. And so uh, with this Clostridia infection, and, and C. diff is just the worst manifestation. Uh, apparently a half a million people were infected last year with this. So, what, 500,000 infections in the U.S. last year? Uh, That's the worst type. Now, there's other types of Clostridia, but I pointed the finger at C. diff, and there's a couple others in this same family of Clostridia, and what it does is it inhibits an enzyme. It's called dopamine beta-hydroxylase, and this is an enzyme that normally allows your dopamine levels to stay within range. It's kind of like a Goldilocks neurotransmitter, meaning you don't want too much dopamine and you don't want too little dopamine. So if you have too little dopamine, you have a lack of energy, a lack of drive, a lack of focus or concentration, you're easily bored, you have ADD, that's too low dopamine. And then what happens with Clostridia infections, which is something I see literally every day, it messes up that enzyme. And you get a buildup of an organic acid which is something you can identify in the urine called HPHPA. And when that level goes up, this dopamine no longer breaks down. So think of like, I'll give you a good analogy because many people are familiar with the mechanism of SSRIs, these uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors like your Zoloft and Prozac. What they do is they take the existing serotonin and they want to keep that neurotransmitter stuck in the receptor site longer so that you can get more benefit from the serotonin meaning if you have less than optimal serotonin you may be able to get away with it with an antidepressant because the serotonin is forced to sit in the receptor site longer now as you know over time that it's like playing ding dong ditch you're pressing the serotonin button every day that receptor site gets burned out and it gets down regulated so then the antidepressant doesn't work anymore so with the clostridia infection in your gut that you picked up from the gastro doc because he wanted to scope you to look for inflammation and even if he found inflammation all he was going to do was an acid blocker anyway now you've got a buildup of dopamine so uh what is linked to that rage uh suicidal thoughts you want to kill people like i literally ask this i ask people this question L. I i say um and, and I'm kind of cheating because I've already seen enough cases to where I can know the answer is probably going to be yes, but I just want an honest answer. So I'll say it like this. L, uh, on your organic acids here, you've got some elevated HPHPA. This is caused from Clostridia. Uh, when somebody cuts you off on the highway, do you get really pissed off?
0: <laughs> do you want to murder them? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and then the answer most of the time is yes. Now, obviously, sometimes the answer is no. Or I, I had one guy. He was from Australia. He goes – you know, mate, I'm actually quite chilled out, but uh, yes, that does irritate me. I'm like, okay, <laughs> sorry, that was a terrible Australian accent. No, you
0: went from Australia to New York. That was great. You like I that. know. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> so uh,
1: so anyway, long story short, these gut issues can significantly, significantly change your brain function. And you could you could be this person who you think you are. I'm Evan. I'm L. I'm this person that you attach Right. To.
0: I'm a depressed person or I'm an angry person or, and maybe you but you're- But
1: you're not, but yeah. you're not. And this is the same thing with kids too like kids are getting pulled out of school or they're getting put on meds or they're getting put put into like a special ed program because of their attitude problems. And I had, a, this is since last time you and I talked, I had a woman that had two five-year-old twin boys and they were both about to get kicked out of school so she was gonna homeschool them, but wasn't sure if she was gonna be able to handle it. And between the two five-year-olds, they literally had 20 different infections. I'm talking bacteria, yeast, fungus, mold exposure, parasites, they both had H. pylori. Their HPHPA levels were off the chart. Their dopamine was so high, I couldn't even believe it. Most of the time, the dopamine levels never show up that high unless someone has had a major, major lead toxicity problem. Like they chewed a bunch of you know, paint from an old windowsill or something like that, like and and no, they never lived in a yeah. house that old. So we had to blame it on the gut. And then once we got rid of the gut infections, we retested. And then the dopamine levels were back down and normal. And, and the mom, you know, she jumped on the call with me and she was like, what did you do to my kids? And I thought, oh, crap. And and I'm like, what happened? And she's like, they're completely different. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And she said, well, these kids have not had a single bout of rage since they started the gut herbs. And I was like, wow, that's cool. Because Normally we may throw in
0: That was the point. Yeah, right. You know, normally
1: we may throw in like a like a maybe a, a pharma GABA or a theanine or something like that to kind of calm them down, but I thought, well, let's just try to start small and just focus on the gut bugs. Maybe we'll throw in some mood support later, but we didn't have to. So, yeah, if you have a mood issue, your first step could be a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Maybe they can help talk you through it, but I think if you go straight to the prescription pad, you're a bit limited in your success rate there
0: absolutely and as we know look hypothyroid patients go they get put on prozac it'll last a couple months then it won't because again you're patching something and you're never getting to the fact that they just don't have any t3 so it doesn't matter how much ssris you give someone you know essentially you're patching it up so let's drop through and and slide through a few others there's this um Was it surgeons, an eye disease as well that's autoimmune? So you've seen some success. Tell us where, you know, obviously conditions where you have seen success. You've definitely seen success with Hashimoto's people nipping that in the bud by just getting the gut and the diet under control. So
1: Yeah, yeah, and and I may pronounce it wrong, but I call it Sjogren's. Oh, Sjogren's, Sjogren's. right, sorry. It's
0: S-G-O-R-J, so if you can look it up.
1: Yeah, so the people that have already been diagnosed, they're probably yelling at us how to correctly (laughs) pronounce it. But 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 I say Sjogren's. I don't know if that's right or wrong. But anyway, it's like an autoimmune condition of the eyes, where it's really causing, uh, really causing a lot of uh, like eye dryness and itching. And typically, they get some type of a prescription eye drop, which mitigates the symptoms, but doesn't address it. I mean, it's autoimmune, so your immune system is attacking. I don't know if it's the optic nerve or what, what specifically is going on. Honestly, I don't even need to know what's going on. I just know I need to try to fix all the causes of autoimmunity. And autoimmunity can take any, any shape or form that it wants to, right? So when you're really focusing on somebody and you're thinking, okay, what type of issue can I fix – honestly, all autoimmune conditions have the same triggers. There's typically a gut component. There's typically a stress or a trauma component, like a death of a loved one or a divorce or a stressful childbirth, sometimes a C-section for women. The stress of that triggers the the Hashimoto's. So the the body's weird. I, I can't say why or how the body picks to attack what so in the case of rheumatoid arthritis the autoimmune condition affects the joints in the case of Hashimoto's it affects the thyroid in the case of Sjogren's it affects the eyes in the case of psoriasis it affects the skin so I can't really say okay why did it do this in this particular part of the body I don't know maybe thyroid is more susceptible more sensitive maybe that's why Hashimoto's is so common but what about the cool thing is
0: sorry yeah go uh, ahead say drop in alopecia that's one of them the the baldness situation i saw a young kid the other day a young girl with most of her hair missing like she was a balding 95 year old man kind of thing and i just wanted to cry and i um what what is happening there and once stuff's half lost can it grow back if you correct it like talk to us about that weird disease because that's you know some random one we don't see that as often you
1: know? Yeah. Yeah. Around. Alopecia. I mean, it, it's significantly gaining. I don't have any statistics pulled up, but I'm sure people could just type in alopecia CDC or alopecia statistics, read about it on their own. But I'm telling you, it's becoming much, 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 much more often. My brother-in-law actually, he has alopecia and then guess what? He developed type one diabetes a year later. So that's interesting. And oh, yes, cause I, cause that's autoimmune.
0: I, I, so that's interesting.
1: Exactly. So what does he eat? I mean, he's the guy that goes straight to the sweets in any family gathering. If there's cookies, which we did have cookies at my daughter's birthday party, we had some gluten free non-dairy cookies and everybody noshed on them. I don't even know what they looked or tasted like cause I didn't get one, but they were gone. And so that's a, that's a healthier cheat, but it's still not good for that condition. Yes. you you, you Sugar
0: be- messes oh. with, with autoimmune, totally messes with, uh, that. I've, I've, we've heard that a lot on Mark's Daily Apple, that people who've recovered. They've done all this stuff and things are kind of in remission. But then if they do too much sugar, it kind of flares up.
1: I believe it. Yeah. I mean, sugar is kind of my kryptonite for sure. My brain fog comes back. I get depressed yep. if I do too much. Totally. sugar To be honest, like it seems crazy, but I, I literally get depressed if I eat sugar. So, I mean, I'm talking processed sugar. Do I still do a little bit of maple syrup, a little bit of blueberries here and there? Totally. I've got blueberries growing in the yard. Absolutely. I had a handful of those today and I feel good. Uh, but yes, with alopecia, you ask, can you regrow hair? Yeah, you can. And it depends on the progression. Now, I'm not an alopecia expert, so I'm just gonna tell you what I've seen in a handful of cases is that if it is full-blown, meaning they've lost their eyelashes, they've lost their eyebrows, they've lost literally everything, I've not seen as much success. Now, if it's where it just started, where they've got some patches here and there, I've found more success. Maybe you're just less deep in the rabbit hole, therefore you can pull yourself out of the hole. I, I don't know why someone with less severity has better results, but they do. And also you've got to look for all the anemias because some people actually get misdiagnosed and it's more of an anemia issue where you have a ferritin level, which is an iron storage protein. Your ferritin levels could be too low or your iron saturation could be really low, especially if you're a woman and you have excessive menstruation and you're just highly, highly anemic. That can cause your hair to fall out like crazy where you think it's alopecia, but it might not be.
0: So. Yeah, that's a hypothyroid symptom, a low ferritin slash hypothyroid symptom too, you know, low T3 hair falling out. I had it myself. Um, that's different. Like you said, it's, there's not like, but it does come out in droves and it's, it becomes concerning.
1: And it could be yeah. a gut issue too, right? Because there are certain bacterial infections that can cause the immune system to attack the hair follicles. So yeah, there, there that's is a why gut. why you
0: got to start with the gut because you're not going to have a chance with any pills or anything else or a- anything unless you get this baseline,
1: well, you know coming. what people it's do? Start, it's
0: to start to do it, you know.
1: We know what people do, though. They get put on Rogaine. Right. I remember seeing the commercials as a kid of Rogaine, where the guy, like, sprays the mousse into his hair and his hair <laughs> magically regrows.
0: Again, it's like, a, it's like a patch or, or like, it's like taking the um, the acid block or something that's going to, like, reduce the amount of contractions in your colon. Like, it's all just going about it in a patchy way, not a root way.
1: Right. Speaking of patches, there's an autoimmune condition called vitiligo, which is what oh, yeah. Michael Jackson had, where you've got these patches of skin that turn various different colors. Uh, ulcerative mm-hmm. colitis, Crohn's, lupus, MS, celiac. I mean, these are all related, and some may have all of these. I mean, you could have a person literally that could have Hashimoto, celiac, RA, MS, lupus, vitiligo. They could have it all. It just depends on, you know, how deep in the rabbit hole are they? If they have like a Lyme disease previous diagnosis and they got pounded with antibiotics via iv that increases the severity of the the cases too is previous antibiotic use and i don't ever like people to to beat themselves up because negative self-talk is not good and we're all guilty of it but that's one slippery slope for people is when you get something like a diagnosis of lyme hopefully it's accurate uh make sure you do dna connections if you're going to get tested for lyme before you go on any antibiotics my opinion is the antibiotics are not necessary and it makes it worse and it creates a biofilm around the borrelia which makes lyme actually harder to kill so my advice is antibiotics can be avoided that's my opinion and you can fix Lime and the co-infections like mycoplasma with herbs. My wife had mycoplasma. She had such bad joint pain, she couldn't put her bracelet on anymore. And we fixed it with herbs. But if you do go down that rabbit hole, make sure you look up DNA connections. It's C-O-N-N-E-X, connections with an X. That's the company who I trust the most. And they do what's called a PCR-based panel for Lyme. It's urine. If you have been told XYZ symptom is Lyme, there's this kind of, trend if you will of everyone having Lyme disease now so just confirm please before you do any extensive treatment that was that was a bit of a tangent but it was tied into
0: no I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that Um, but it's, but it's tied into the autoimmune
1: stuff because it's very rare for someone to say hey I've been diagnosed with Lyme and that's it usually it's hey I've been diagnosed with Hashimoto's but I also have been told that I have Lyme
0: absolutely like chicken egg one igniting the other there's all sorts of domino effects um Let's use our last remaining minutes to just drop into the area of nootropics. Um, Yes. And for those that don't know, we just quickly define what this is. Give us just a, not medical, you know, we can get into that in a second, but just a snapshot. Like, what are nootropics? Why do people take them? Yeah. So they're basically brain vitamins, essentially.
1: And uh, nootropic is a term that was coined back in, I believe it was 1970. And this term means. It's a it's a brain enhancer and it's something that can help in terms of memory, creativity, uh, executive function. So this is like getting things done, being motivated, uh, making your brain work better. And there are prescriptions, and then there are supplements. And a lot of supplements have become popular so much that a company reached out to me a few years ago because they knew that I knew a little bit about supplements and they had me write a book on nootropics. So I did. I wrote a book uh, called Nootropic. uh, It's the Everything Guide to Nootropics. I literally make like 10 or 20 cents if you buy the book. So I'm not here to pitch the book. I do not care if you purchase the book or not. But in that, I discuss all these different various categories of drugs versus supplements that you can use to try to work on your brain. Believe this believe this statistic here. This is telling you how much it's growing. So in 2015, the nootropic industry was valued at $1.4 billion dollars. And in the next 10 years, it's going to be worth $6 billion. So this is a very hot topic, a very hot category. People are getting into it. And a lot of people are doing what's called contract manufacturing. I used to work in the supplement industry, so I know this. Uh, a contract manufacturer is – and El, sorry, this is a bit of a tangent, but I think it's important for the context of our conversation, which is that sure. – you, you wanna know the sourcing and the quality of the ingredients that you're putting into your body. So contract manufacturing is this. It's a random guy who goes to PubMed and he types in L-theanine memory and he finds a study that proves that L-theanine can reduce anxiety and that can help memory. So he says, okay, theanine's a good ingredient and then he goes back to PubMed and he types in uh, vinpocetine, which comes from, uh, I believe venpocetine comes from, uh, I wanna say it's bacopa which is an herb. Maybe Bacopa and vinpocetine are two different things. Oh yeah, you know what? I think vinpocetine comes from periwinkle. Anyway, long story short, he finds out that's good for the brain, and then he finds out Ginkgo biloba, which is a, a leaf that comes from a tree. I have one planted in my yard. I'm looking at it now. It's a beautiful tree. It's a cool looking leaf, and that can help with cognitive problems. Okay, so I've got like five or 10 different ingredients, and now I'm gonna put these all in the capsule together because they're all supposed to be really good for me, so we're gonna mix them all together. So we're gonna find a, a, a warehouse called a contract manufacturer They said that they can mix all these ingredients for us and they can make us a bottle for 10 bucks. And then I'm going to sell this product for 50 bucks. What a great profit margin. And then let's see what happens. And maybe it works great or maybe you can't mix all the good things in the kitchen and get good results. It's like, okay, cinnamon is delicious. Garlic is delicious. But if you mix cinnamon and garlic (laughs) and cake batter, it might not taste very good. So uh, that's kind of what's happened with the industry.
0: Yeah. I'm really, it's a great layman's way of explaining that. And the reason I bring it up is because and we'll share with the audience, both of us, I had a bad experience with it. So I made a, like a violated primal blueprint law, number seven or whatever of just don't make stupid mistakes. <laughs> and, uh, some, I was somewhere and someone was like, Oh, Hey man, I just took this like stuff for the brain, this company, nootropics, you know, nootropics, um, you should, you should try this. And I was like, oh, and like, I don't know why. And I took only half the dose of what it told me. To, so maybe it said to take seven pills. I only took four. I took this stuff and mm, I told Evan before the show that there was a moment where had I not had previous like downtown Chicago high school drug use, <laughs> I'm not sure I would have been able to not have an anxiety attack or get through that moment without, there was a moment where I was very dizzy. There was a, and I'm kind of not sensitive to a lot of stuff, but I will say that it really freaked me out what it did in my brain. And what it did is I was kind of hallucinating, but not in a visual like LSD hallucination, but I felt detached from myself. And it was, it was a very weird thing where again, in that moment I had to be like, okay, this is happening. Let's Like I knew something off was happening again. I think because I've probably tripped on acid before when I was a kid, <laughs> you know, like, there was probably a, a level of like, all right, you can make it through. Just, just talk yourself through this. I had to talk myself through it, though. It wasn't good. I went and gave the ingredients to a friend of mine who knows a little bit about this topic. And he's looking, he's going through all of them with me. He's like, oh, my God, I'd have like an anxiety attack if I took all of this. You know, and again, it's like throw everything in the kitchen sink. My bad. But I'm just sharing that experience so that people out there don't go half-ass nilly-willy into this nootropic situation, go read Evan's book or consult with him or someone who really understands us from a functional medicine perspective, because you may or may not need them. And it didn't feel like what was happening to me was a good thing for my brain, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, understood completely. Well, here's the thing I would say too. I would say we, uh, us as humans, we love the idea of a silver bullet, like this all in one thing that can fix our brain and give me focus and give me energy and fix my brain fog. Like even some of the marketing pages for these nootropics, it's like beat brain fog, you know, lasting energy. And it's like, huh. Okay. What if you had a parasite infection that was stealing your amino acids. So all the grass-fed beef and collagen protein bars you were eating weren't actually getting absorbed. Therefore, those amino acids didn't absorb properly. Therefore, you didn't manufacture enough dopamine to get things done. And if you just fix your gut and digest your diet better, you would have more energy and more focus. And then your brain fog... What if it wasn't a deficiency of XYZ nootropic? What if it was a, a yeast overgrowth that's producing a byproduct called acetyl aldehyde, which is basically alcohol, and you've been getting drunk on your own candida in your gut, and that's why you have brain fog.
0: Right, and I've had candida, and that brain fog is brutal, and the sugar cravings are brutal. Um, and uh, I guess I would also say just back to the gut in general here, is if some kind of protocol after six to eight weeks of some kind of diet or lifestyle hasn't started to go in a positive direction, then again, there might be way more diagnostics, you know, That are involved with getting to the bottom of something, but everybody can start with trying to clean up the gut. And I want to just throw out a few things because you just mentioned them that are supposedly, you know, healing for the gut. So let's talk about those things. One would be collagen, right? Um, but again, if it's not getting absorbed to work right, then what's the use? What are some other things other than cleaning out your diet, you know, going through a paleo primal ancestral protocol, maybe even AIP, especially since we're talking about autoimmune? What are the other things we can do?
1: Yeah, good question. And I just want to finish a couple thoughts about nootropics real quick, just because I don't want to like paint it in a negative light and leave it in the negative category. I think there's huge benefit. I think there's huge potential. These are far safer in terms of they're not going to kill you. They're far safer in terms of doing a, a, a nootropic. And you have to make sure it is a nootropic because that term has a specific subset of classifications and prerequisites that must be true for it to be called a nootropic. So it's actually become a buzzword and many companies call their product a nootropic and it's not. And nootropic is defined as something that is not habit forming. It's not addictive. It doesn't have any negative side effects, et cetera. So you can take something like theanine, which is a true nootropic, and then you could take something else that is not a nootropic, but it's in the same category of brain enhancers. And then you combine those two supplements together, but you don't you don't clarify what is a nootropic or some people call it nootropic. Either way, they don't discern from which fits that category and which doesn't. So if you buy a product and it's like nootropic, but it's got 50 ingredients, are all of those 50 ingredients nootropic or just a couple of them you cherry picked to call them into the whole formula, a nootropic, but it's not. It's just a couple of ingredients were benign and had no side effects and blah, blah, blah. So, for example, uh, I won't put them on blast, but one of the products that you and I discussed, it has caffeine in it. Caffeine is not a nootropic. It may help brain function, but it has potential for addiction. It does have risk, cardiovascular issues, et cetera it's not a nootropic. So you you automatically disqualify that supplement as being called a nootropic because of the caffeine alone. I didn't even have a chance to review everything, but just based on that alone, boom, you, you have to get that out of your marketing. You can't call it that anymore. Interesting. But, but are there potential, are there great potential for brain enhancing formulas? Absolutely. Should you consider herbal remedies to help prevent alzheimer's and dementia and other things like ginkgo and bacopa and vinpocetine and alpha gpc and tyrosine and dl phenylalanine yes these are all amazing ingredients they can change your life but my advice is start with one ingredient research it well make sure you're clear and comfortable with it first and then start with one ingredient and then if you want to stack it with 20 others do it. But start with one ingredient because me personally, I'm sensitive. If somebody says take 7, I take 1 and I notice the same thing as somebody taking 7. So I'm so sensitive that I have to be that picky with what I take. And I've had some crazy experiences myself with taking too much of something being a little lab rat of companies, "Hey, let's send you this free XYZ." And I used to be like, "Yeah." Now I'm like, "Okay, I'm not taking that." So, so that's my disclaimer. There is true benefit, but because of the money potential that you can make on these products, make sure what you're taking is actually a nootropic and not a nootropic plus a bunch of other stuff added to make sure that you quote unquote feel it. So you make sure so, so that you you feel like you're getting your money's worth. If people don't feel it immediately, they think they're not getting their money's worth, so therefore they don't like it. But like you don't have to notice something right away. Things can take a week or two weeks or three weeks to notice benefit. So that's my two cents about that. Now uh, back to the gut health question. So yeah, the the first step in in fixing autoimmunity and reversing any leaky gut situation is you've got to figure out what you're up against first. So as we mentioned, there's several categories of bad guys. You've got the yeast, you've got mold, you've got even cortisol issues. So cortisol, it's a catabolic hormone and cortisol alone can cause a leaky gut problem. Meaning all you people with a perfect diet, but you're doing CrossFit four times a week for an hour that cortisol load alone can cause a leaky gut. So it's no surprise that I see quite a bit of autoimmune clients that come from the CrossFit community. Now, once again, not to demonize it, exercise is great, good job, but the dose makes the poison, and if you're just burning the candle too much, that cortisol alone can separate those tight junctions, giving you a leaky gut, and now all of a sudden, you develop food sensitivities, and you're allergic to avocado. Isn't avocado good? It's a great fat source. I'm on a ketogenic diet. Can I eat avocado? Yes, you can, but... If you cause gut gut damage, maybe avocado starts to create a headache for you like it did for me. And then I had to cut it out for six weeks, and then I add it back in, and that was fine. But once you do all that, you investigate, you figure out what's going on. Do I have yeast? Do I have bacteria? Do I have parasites? Do I have worms? Do I have other infections from my dog, kissing my dog? you know, You could pick up a bug from kissing your dog or kissing your partner. You could pass bugs between each other pretty easily. And these are microscopic. You don't see them. They're microscopic. So once you fix all that, you clear all that stuff out, and then you you kill all the bad guys, and then you come in and you get to the post-infection phase. This is where you want to heal up the gut. That's when you can throw some things in. So I'll just kind of uh, vomit at the mouth and, and throw a few things that, <laughs> that, that I've had good benefit with, and they do have good clinical research on them. One is going to be zinc carnosine. It's a specific form of zinc. It's carnosine, so C-A-R, like a car, carnosine, zinc carnosine. That's a really cool formula. I can't make a claim that it cures ulcers, but let's just say it has some amazing anti-ulcerative properties. It can very, very, very effectively heal up the gut lining due to NSAIDs. So any of your non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, we know that ibuprofen kills about 19 to 25,000 people in the U.S. per year. This is your standard Advil. Kills 20,000 a year, perfectly legal. Cannabis kills zero, and it's illegal. Oh,
0: hey, thanks for that shout-out because that's my jam.
1: Yeah, so, <laughs> so you know, luckily CBD <laughs> is legal. I think the federal government, their whole it crackdown is. on CBD, I think it failed and that CBD still is uh, available in all fifty states, which is far, far better than using an NSAID for pain and anxiety, et cetera. I'm actually using C B D with my daughter because she fell out of her high chair about a month ago and had a head injury. And C B D literally, 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 literally reduced her swelling by probably eighty five to ninety percent in two days.
0: Mm-hmm. And I want to just throw out there, I'll interject that if anyone's interested in the topic of CBD, you can look up Stuart Tomc. T-O-M-C. I've interviewed him twice on the Primal Blueprint podcast. He's the spokesperson for Canavest, and they are the company that makes the plus CBD oil, and he's just a great expert on there. If you want to learn, really get into that subject of CBD, but it ain't no joke. And actually, it's, well, everything's legal where we are in California, but you can, I know you're lucky. You can get CBD at the Whole Foods. You get almost anywhere at a gas station, they have CBD. <laughs> I mean, um, Isn't that crazy? It's really crazy. Uh, it's crazy so funny that it was demonized for so many years. I'm like, oh, really? Now it's legal? Yeah. I wish that would have happened when they didn't bust me for smoking a joint in college like that.
1: It's ridiculous. That would have been nice. I know.
0: Um, But yeah. So, so anyway. Yeah, go ahead.
1: But let me get back to the original point. So so the original point was that NSAIDs, uh, you know, non anti-inflammatory drugs like ibuprofen, Advil, these things can really, really do bad things to your gut. They can cause intestinal bleeding even from just regular dosing. And a lot of children get dosed with Motrin, which sounds so cute and and oh motrin give him a little motrin with which is artificial flavors and artificial sweeteners and then a little bit of ibuprofen added that stuff can kill you and so instead of using that you could use CBD and then you could use something like zinc carnosine which can really heal up your gut and so uh, I have a, a product kind of an all-in-one that I use with people it's got aloe aloe vera extract it's got slippery elm bark it's got chamomile flower it's got marshmallow root cat's claw which is actually a bark from a south american tree cat's claw is great not only for helping with lime and modulating the immune system but cat's claw is really good for the gut too and it can help just in terms of soothing your the lining of your gut uh, i had ibs just as long as i had depression surprise you know about a decade i, I dealt with ibs issues which then caused mood issues and i swear to you without some of these healing herbs i don't know if i ever would have would have fixed my gut it's like i killed all the bugs i had h pylori i had multiple parasites i had candida i had all the bacterial stuff but the problem where some practitioners fail is they're really good at just targeting the bad guy so they can get the proper testing done they can get the proper herbs run to kill everything but then after that they don't know what to do and Your success rate and your longevity with a gut protocol overall is dependent on you doing all the steps. It's like I'm watching these guys build a house across the street. It's like if they just stop after they build the framing and then the guy moves into the house, he's going to be like, okay, why is there water getting in the house? Like there's no ceiling. there's, There's no gutters. Like, okay yeah, you made progress, but you didn't fully build the house. You didn't fully build everything back the way it has to be built. So just because you get the framing done, meaning you've got the testing done, you've got your protocol lined out, you've eradicated the infections. Now you still got to put the gutters on. You've got to put the shingles on. You've got to put the windows in. You've got to put the brick on. Like that's the probiotics. That's the the glutamines and the DGLs and the aloe veras, you've got to heal all the damage that's been done to the gut. Because if you just kill, 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 everything's bad, kill all these infections he's talking about. And then you stop, you know, two to three months later, you're going to be like, okay, I had a regression. Like my symptoms either stopped, you know, and, and I'm not improving anymore. My energy's the same, or I went backwards and now my skin issues back or now my migraines are back or now my joint pain is back. Um, we talked about RA a little bit, and I wanted to mention a specific bacteria that people can research. This is something you would look for on a uh, stool test, and I use a stool test called a GI map, like a map of the planet. GI is in gastrointestinal, and there's a specific infection in the literature that's been proven to cause RA and actually trigger RA. It's called Prevotella mm-hmm. So I just want to spell it for people just in case they heard this and like, God, they're trying to cover so much in an hour, I'm overwhelmed. Okay, listen, just Google Prevotella. So it's pre, like P-R-E, and then Votella, V-O-T-E-L-L-A, and it's copri, that's the second word, C-O-P, like a cop, R-I, Prevotella copri. And I see this every single day, and in the literature, 75% of people with rheumatoid arthritis have a Prevotella copri infection. Now, can I legally say that if you get rid of Prevotella, you can cure RA? I can't say that, but can I say I've seen amazing success with people's joint issues after we get rid of Prevotella? Yes, I sure can.
0: Yeah, I know of someone right now I need to have call you. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, talk to us again about how, well, we can go to Evan, sorry, Evan Brand, E V A N B R A N D dot com to find out more about you. But you work with people all over and you can really get people on the right path and help them work with their doctors. Talk to us how we can benefit more from your information. I mean, other than your great podcast, um, how can we work with you so we can get on this road?
1: Sure. Yeah. And, and I don't ever want to um, fool people into thinking that I figured out everything because I haven't. I don't ever want to be like a, an all-knowing guru. I just want to be a guy who's figured out enough stuff to help enough people. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't want to know everything about everything because I think the world might be boring if you are that person. If you if you stop learning, I think you're going to be pretty darn bored. Uh, So I have a lot of mentors and and people that have that have helped me to learn stuff, which is cool. Uh, But, yeah, check out the podcast. I mean, there's almost 300 episodes there. So I've been doing this every week since 2012. So there's quite a bit of content that you can look into specific topics and then yeah if people would like to to do a consult um I actually just brought a another functional medicine practitioner on my team because I was getting overwhelmed and I was having like a 3 month wait to to talk with me and I just was like kind of embarrassed by that I'm like I can't talk with you for 3 months sorry and so I I trained I trained a girl who had a nutritional therapy background and she actually got recently and fully certified in functional medicine. So that's allowed me to to help more people and not have to wait three months. So yeah, if people want to just reach out, they can, they can just look up my site or just Google my name and we're happy to help. And, you know, even if you just need somebody to get some of the diagnostic stuff done, if you've already got a practitioner on your team, I'm not trying to replace anyone's practitioner. Like if you just need help getting the data, cool, get the data, but just make sure that, the practitioner you're working with, first of all, make sure that they're actually listening to you. I think that's a skill that's very important for practitioners. You have to listen. Uh, I learn more from listening to people than any book or any course or any XYZ. Like That's the best part of my job is I just get to sit and listen to these people who've been trying to figure out their issue for 20 years and they say these little things, these little golden nuggets that come out and they don't even know what they're telling me. I'm like, oh my God, the correlation between They started having tinnitus after they moved to Chicago, which is one of the cities that just started rolling out 5G cell phone towers. Or my anxiety attack started as soon as I moved to LA after I lived in the countryside. And they have 2,000 cell phone towers right down the street from their house now. So I pick up on these little things, and and that's just the cool part about listening. So try to listen and make sure your practitioner listens to you. And then I would say step two would be – make sure there's some common sense behind everything. Like if you get told something and you ask why and there's not really a good answer of why, then maybe that's not the right path. But if you can understand why and it makes sense from a common sense perspective and your gut feeling says, yeah, this feels right, then I'd say go for it. But let's just give you an example of something where my gut feeling says no. Uh, Let's say I had a bunch of skin issues and I had a bunch of mood issues and I wasn't sleeping at night and I had anxiety and panic attacks and I barely had enough energy to get through the day and I was debating taking uh, medical leave from work because I was so exhausted and I go to this uh, master detox practitioner who tells me that all of my problems are heavy metals and that if I just do this really intense heavy metal detoxification protocol that all of my symptoms are going to go away. Um, From a common sense gut perspective, I get scared hearing that. I think, oh my God, detox, like I can barely eat XYZ food without having an allergic reaction. I don't think I'm strong enough for detox. I mean, your gut alarm may go off, but that's just like one example where I hear something that sounds really cool and and sounds sexy, like, hey, this— magic detox protocol is going to fix you i mean that should be the last thing down the road like you've got to fix your thyroid you've got to fix your adrenals you've got to make sure that you've even got a couple of legs on your stool first before you try to put 500 pounds on it you know the last thing you want to do is try to do a bunch of detox stuff when you're so tired you can barely get out of bed in the morning <sighs> And, and I don't know, like, yeah. I, like maybe I'm wrong. It, maybe some people can do detox right away and, and they feel totally fine and they go to their biological dentist and they get their mercury amalgams removed and they're perfectly fine. But, you know, I had one lady who she was at the bottom of the barrel and she thought, OK, I'm going to put my last savings account money into getting all my mercury amalgams removed. And then she ended up in a wheelchair because of the massive detox reaction. Apparently the guy said he was doing it correctly, but he didn't, and the, the mercury load, I don't even know the mechanism to be honest, but somehow she ended up in a wheelchair. It's like, that's scary. So if it doesn't sound like common sense, then maybe get it's a hurt. second opinion or something. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I, I'm opening up a whole nother can of worms we don't have time to go into, but I just hope that helps for people. I just, I, I really want to help people because It's frustrating when you think that you found the silver bullet and then you purchase that silver bullet and then it ends up sitting in your supplement graveyard. And then you're like, why did I buy this supplement? I thought it was going to work and it didn't do anything. And I spent my money on it. And then here you go with this bottle of stuff in your pantry. And you don't really want to throw it away because you keep hearing over and over that XYZ nutrients good for you, but you don't know how to use it. It's like, just get some data first. Don't just start buying stuff just because you think it might work.
0: Yeah, no, it's such good advice and great to be mentored by someone who can, you know, like, like everyone's heard, there's so many tangents, and things affect this, and then that affects that. And so in order to wrap your head around it, you almost, you know, you need to have a consultation with someone who can kind of help the investigation, but also then the repair and the healing. So uh, thank you so much for joining us. Always an amazing pleasure. Evanbrand.com is where you can go and we'll put all the links to contact, uh, connect with you in the show notes. Is there anything else you'd like to leave our audience with?
1: Uh, Elle, I just want to say thank you for what you're doing. I get goosebumps when we talk together. So that's a good sign that our, <laughs> our energies are aligned. And, and I just want to say thank you because, uh, for, for, for somebody to, to be on the other end of the microphone like this and for somebody to be able to probe me, like you help me learn. Like when we flush things out together, it, it literally helps me learn, like make connections that I previously didn't make. And, and at the end of the day, that allows us to help more people. So I just want to say thank you and, and keep up the great work that you're doing because uh, you're helping hundreds of thousands of people by spreading your message and awareness about these topics. So um, I'm I'm definitely grateful you know, for our relationship and our friendship and to be a colleague of yours.
0: Awesome. Me too. Um, we'll definitely have to have you on sooner than another year from now, for sure. And we'll, as everyone has heard, you know, we can just, uh, you get deep into this stuff, which is nice because it's important to wrap our heads around this, uh, these topics. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You too. So Chris Kelly, Nourish, Balance, Thrive, we're, we're talking about health and you're telling me a funny story about your picky four-year-old daughter that won't eat unless there's primal kitchen uh, condiments on the table
1: it's true my daughter will not eat unless there's f***ing the primal kitchen wilder (laughs) it's it's this cute thing actually she does we have a local state park called wilder ranch oh yeah and uh, she calls the ranch dressing wilder ranch dressing (laughs) there's no way we're going to correct her on that it's just too so
0: so endearing Uh, how old Um, is she? she's four. Oh my god so she likes like the mayo on oh yeah she on... so
1: She loves those so we love them as well we have uh we, we eat them all the time we eat the mayo we eat the balsamic we eat the the ranch um the avocado oil we use all the time and, and so you know that's completely genuine and i don't mind talking about that because you took the pain in the ass out of condiments i really appreciate that
0: what an authentic spot from chris kelly at nourish balance thrive and yes primal kitchen you can call it wilder ranch dressing if you want <laughs> and uh, we'll send five cents of the proceeds over to that beautiful state park because they're they're trying to make ends meet in santa cruz mountains thank you very much chris <laughs> it's my pleasure